Welcome to Entrepreneur Mindset Reset, the podcast for entrepreneurs who want to learn from fellow business owners how to decrease the chaos and increase their sense of fulfillment while becoming more profitable. I'm your host, Tracy Trepesky. I'm an executive coach and consultant and mindset mastery expert. I'm also mom to two amazing teenagers and a menagerie of adopted furry family members. In each episode, we explore challenges, opportunities, and actionable tips to help you move your business forward while staying true to your vision. You'll hear from me and my guests how we've tackled some of the pitfalls and unexpected surprises that entrepreneurship delivers. We're the real deal, and we're here to inspire and encourage you. Let's dive in. This is episode eight of Entrepreneur Mindset Reset. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in today for a new episode of Entrepreneur Mindset Reset, the podcast where entrepreneurs just like you and me share how they master their mindset to overcome obstacles to their success. In today's episode, I have the privilege of speaking with the very fun and inspiring Andy Greider, managing partner and chief dot connector of World Growth Capital. Andy's entrepreneurial journey really started when he was a kid and his story about how he called and managed to not only talk to, but also meet in the flesh, the Bob Woodward of the Washington Post while a senior in high school just may blow your mind as much as it did mine. I felt so inspired by that story that I vowed never to shrink away from an opportunity ever again. I hope it will inspire the same in you. Andy's title of chief dot connector makes so much sense once you get to know him a little, and I'm certain you will by listening to this episode. No matter the entrepreneurial pursuit, Andy is always committed to how he can support people. His shoot for the stars so you can fall back into them attitude is a humble reminder to never underestimate ourselves. And I sincerely believe Andy's story will spark that desire in you. So grab a beverage or a snack and settle in to listen to Andy Greider and his amazing journey. Andy, thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you so much for having me, Tracy. It's awesome to get the chance to sit down and talk some shop here amongst all the other good stuff. Yes. And I love your backdrop. I love in a beautiful, beautiful semi-tropical setting with water, mountains, and trees. It makes my heart very happy. Well, I was going to say, and that's why I put it up because it makes mine happy too. It's a, it's a good memory. It's Santa Barbara. Mm. Uh, and uh, it's a nice, nice little city in California. It's wonderful. Yeah. For our listeners, if you've never been and you're going to the West Coast, get yourself to Santa Barbara. It's just stunningly beautiful and people are really chill and happy there. Great place. Yeah. Plus good food, all that good stuff. So tell me, you're not actually in Santa Barbara right now. Where are you in the world? I am in Lebanon, Pennsylvania. And if you're from here, you say Lebanon, um, but it's Lebanon, Pennsylvania for most people. And uh, it's kind of near Hershey, a little bit west of Philadelphia. Nice. Very nice. So I'm excited to talk to you today because I think of you as like the consummate entrepreneur. It seems like you're spinning a lot of plates. So tell us about kind of your journey to get to where you are. I know you've traveled a very winding path. So how did you end up here and what's your adventure been like? Well, I mean, you know, so it's funny because I've, I've always kind of done some form of what I do now, which is educational consulting and, and you know, asking questions, getting people to a point where they understand what's going on, understand more about what they have going on around them and then figure out how to help them. And I started with, with VCRs when I was a 14 year old kid, selling them to people that had no idea what they were or why they'd even want one, um, much less how to install them. 
So, um, or, or activate them. And uh, so I, I started there. I progressed through that over, uh, had a lot of different jobs, a lot of different things I've done. Um, everything from making jewelry to installing home theater systems, uh, to selling uh, high-end phone systems, to working in TV production. Um, I've done a lot of different things. I've even driven truck for a living for a while. So um, there's a lot of perspective on a lot of different things that have been gleaned from that. But the last couple of years, um, I sort of backed away a little bit from marketing. I had opened up an insurance agency that was mostly worksite helping people out. And um, and then the pandemic hit. We'd been forming another company at the time. So technically, I actually have a half stake in three different companies currently. What we do is my business partner covers the insurance side of things, and I cover the marketing and business consulting side of things and helping businesses do better at prospecting online and do that through a combination of different tools and services, but also through uh, a lot of networking, a lot of connections, a lot of, uh, as I like to call it, dot connecting. That's really the, the run up till now. You've had some experience in music also, right? Isn't yeah. that how we first yeah. connected? I believe that was one of the things that connected us, yes. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I have run sound on and off uh, also, since I was in my mid-teens, the first was actually, ironically enough, for my high school psychology teacher's side gig band. Um, <laughs> That's so cool. <laughs> almost totally by accident. And uh, and then through college, I uh, worked with a blues band that was uh, just about to go national and unfortunately had all of the imperfect storm hit them and they didn't. And then uh, through college, uh, after college, probably up until about when my son was born, I ran sound pretty regularly for a bunch of different bands and festivals and bars in Atlanta. When he was born, I scaled that back because there was time to be spent with him. And uh, 4am loadouts weren't nearly as attractive as they had been before. Especially when you have a baby. Like that's like, it might be a little bit of a witching hour. Yeah, Don't want to rock the boat. Very good idea to not be coming home at 4am. Probably. Probably. Yes. Get that completely. From VCR installation, home theater, music, TV production, some radio, right? Right. Yep. To insurance. <laughs> I know your your title is Chief Dot Connector. Can you explain that to me? Did it was it kind of by accident? Or was it by Yeah, uh, well, the 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 insurance part was was sort of by accident. I mean, you know, I I uh, actually, some of the people that I'd had on my radio show um, back when I had the radio show Uni- Uniqueness is Power, which was about an eight-year run in Atlanta, and one of my guests was a guy named Brian Ely who owns Voluntary Benefits at work in Atlanta, and he and his partner uh, Tanya Lancaster, Tanya and and Brian had we'd sat down and we talked about possibly me doing some marketing for them because I was doing a lot of marketing at the time, and I you know said I've never marketed insurance before, but I'll, I'll give it a shot. And once I got into it and I saw how it helped people. And I saw how so many different ways in which you could reach out and help employees. And in particular, they had one product that we still sell today. That's a lifelong term care hybrid that I absolutely loved. And I started getting really attached to the the facts and figures that, you know, almost 50% of America is going to need some form of long-term care in the next 20 years. And Mm -hmm. nobody's planned for it practically at all. And this is a guaranteed issue product. I saw a lot of ways to help people that hadn't done the right planning who are going to be, you know, SOL when it came to anything on down the line. And then I started having some things happen around me personally mm-hmm. in my family that made me realize this was probably a pretty good place to spend my focus and 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 send my time and my efforts. And plus, I was you know single dad at the time when I started the agency, and it was something that I could work around mm-hmm. schedule wise. So yeah. So, I mean, it was, it was again, at the core of everything, Tracy, to kind of to finish the point to what you were saying, I have done a lot of things. I always look for stuff that can help people. If I can justify to myself when I get up in the morning that I'm going to help somebody else 
have a better life, you know, accomplish things in a better way, whether that's through marketing, whether that's through insurance, whether that's through, um, you know, just general consulting and helping them that way, whether it's just through lending an ear or connecting a dot, um, it's what I want to do. You know, I think that's an important point for our listeners to hear that there are times when we travel these, you know, roads that seem very disconnected. I have a similar, not quite as varied background, but a lot of kind of job hopping, people might call it. And the one thing that I kept coming back to is wanting to support people and being better, you know, at everything, right? Up-leveling who they are and how they show up in the world. And I love your title, right? Chief Dot Connector. And it makes sense. Like if, if we look back over our lives, so for our listeners who are like, how the heck did I go from being, I don't, you know, whatever, uh, an artist to an insurance <laughs> agency owner or, you know, whatever it might be. Usually we can figure out based on who we are and how we show up in the world. And so, you know, th- that you've be- been able to make that connection, I think is really important because it probably supports you in all these other plates that you're spinning. Cause I know you, you, not only are you a great dot connector, you're a wonderful people connector. I've lost count of how many people you've introduced me to in the short time that we've known each other. Um, and they're always, you know, really, really high level coming from a service you know, oriented a servant's heart, right? From a service oriented space. So for people who are listening, don't worry if it seems like you're out there doing 15 random things, because somewhere, somewhere in there, if you haven't figured it out yet, there is a connection and there's a reason behind why, you know, our why is super important. So I love that. I love that very much. I know you've got some wild stories (laughs) of experiences that you've had the one thing, one of the stories that stood out to me, and you could decide if you want to tell it or not, was when you were in high school and you needed to write a paper and you <laughs> took a really bold step. Do you know well, what story I'm talking about? Yeah, I, I yeah. do very much so. Yes. And um, <laughs> it's, uh, I don't know if it's uh, infamous or famous, um, but <laughs> um, I was a high school senior and I had a opportunity to write a paper that was actually about Watergate. And we were all supposed to pick a, a significant historical event and, and write about it. And uh, it was actually for an English class, not a history class. Um, but we were you know, using our journalistic skills mm. to assemble a paper about uh, something that was an historic event. And I was pretty frustrated with what I was getting source-wise from, you know, just reading things in the library and scanning microfiche and doing all the things we did back in the Stone Ages. Um, <laughs> microfiche, wow, that goes, and, that's and, a way uh, back machine. I, I <laughs> uh, Mr. Peabody's coming out soon. Uh, <laughs> the, um, and uh, I decided to pick up the phone and take a chance, and I called uh, one of the two uh, reporters of Watergate at his desk and got Bob Woodward on the phone, spoke with him um, at his desk, and then progressed it from there to the point where I became very persistent and very dogged, like a good journalist should, um, and chased him down into uh, many different corners <laughs> in an attempt to um, get the uh, get the story. But the punchline to the entire thing is I actually got an F on the paper because my teacher actually didn't... Teacher I had didn't believe that I had interviewed Woodward and I had seen that coming. So we uh, walked up to the office together and I punched the number and got a Woodward at the mm. uh, at his desk at the Washington Post and um, was able to put my teacher on with him and prove to him that I had actually you know, actually done the interviews and they were for real. It really kind of taught me one thing that was really cool, which was go ahead and take chances, uh, shoot way beyond the stars so that you fall back into them because that was a, a really big just a really big moment for me confidence wise. And, and it was kind of a fun little comeuppance moment because I kind of knew the teacher was going to have that reaction. Um, but there's no way. <laughs> right. So like, it, nice it try, to, buddy. <laughs> well, it led to me interviewing people like um, uh, Hunter S. Thompson and Timothy Leary 
and people like that, that I, I probably never would have taken the chance freshman and sophomore year in college going after as an interview subject. Um, and, you know, it's kind of taught me that, you know, everybody puts their pants on the same way um, in the end of, at the end of the day. Um, I've never really treated too many people. I mean, I, I'm very, I'm very careful about, you know, putting people on pedestals mm. um, and, and just remembering that there, you know, we all do things the same way. So these days I could be talking to a fortune 50 CEO, or I could be talking to a mom and pop business owner. And for me, it's the same conversation with slightly different variables. Mm. So, um, big, big lesson to, to pick up there. Yeah. How has that supported you in your life going forward, taking chances and being doggedly persistent? <laughs> well, it's been a blessing and a curse both to be perfectly honest, Tracy. It, you know, I love the fact that I'm usually willing to just go after whatever. The biggest challenge I have is balancing that with being practical and not jumping off every cliff just to jump off of one. Um, so, you know, I had an old uh, consultant a friend of mine that I worked with, that, you know, used to use the phrase, you never get used to jumping off a cliff and you don't. And it's important to continue to do it, but you also need to make sure you know what purpose it is you're jumping off the cliff for, not just the thrill of it or the routine of it. Right. So that's always, that's been the balance, but you know, where has it gotten me? It's gotten me on that path that you just mentioned of, you know, very, very background, very, very deliverables. And the idea that I no longer ever worry about where is the next thing going to come from. I know I've got the skill sets to go do pretty much whatever I want to do. So if you were a client of mine and I was listening to this, just to kind of put my coach hat on, I'm not coaching you at all. What I'm hearing you say is you're very clear about Again, I think it probably comes back to, you know, helping people, supporting them. You, if you can see a great outcome, even if it changes, you're willing to go for it. That's when you're willing to jump off the cliff. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, it's kind of how we built what we have now mm. is we, we took a calculated jump off the cliff back in March. Mm -hmm. um, when Perfect timing. Went, when everything <laughs> went sideways. Well, when everything went sideways, it was a reaction to that. Mm. Um, being honest, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't pre-planned really. I mean, we had some things in motion that were going to happen anyway, and they just happened to coincide nicely. Mm. You know, we became a very intentional model um, that is unlike any other insurance company model I've ever seen out there um, because we melded together the one side and the other and have turned it into something that is very, very full service. Mm. Uh, and it's one of the things our clients asked for. They said, we want to deal with you, not with 15 companies. We want you to do things we would normally get from, you know, five, 10, 15 other vendors. Yeah. We want to have it all under one roof. And, and you've built we, trust with yeah. those clients. Yeah. 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 And it's easy to build trust with the new clients because A, we've got referrals, but B, we also have a method that they look at and they go, wait, it actually makes sense. Mm. You know, I can get all this one, you know, from one place and I can protect my employees. I can protect them at work and at home. I can protect my family and the nest egg I've been working on building. I can protect my business. I can leverage all sorts of resources I didn't even know existed, mm -hmm. which is, you know, the sort of the other side of things that we've brought in. And so, um, and then, you know, I, I get a kick out of it too, Tracy, because I get to go out and I get to market for 10 or 15 companies at a time that are clients of ours. And I get to network for them and I get to put them together with people. And so there's a lot of it that is um, enlightened self-interest. Um, and, you know, it's altruistic, but it does have you know, the ability of knowing that I'm going to help our clients out too, which helps us out in the end. Yeah, so that's yeah. a good thing. It's a good thing. So everybody wins. Everybody gets to move ahead together. That's the goal. Yeah. <laughs> 
That's very cool. Very cool. In your journey of all these things, it sounds like you've been, even if you've been employed along the way, you've been very entrepreneurial in your life. Do you have an experience that really shaped and molded you? It could have been something that wasn't so great that you learned from or something that you took a risk besides Bob Woodward, but that was the beginning. Um, Actually, probably the beginning was when you were helping people with their VCRs as a teenager. But anyway, probably was. But <laughs> the dot com era was where I, I got one of the biggest lessons I've ever had, and it's one that we were talking about before we even got into the interview about lessons that repeat. This was the first time I got whacked with this stick. Um, <laughs> it's not the last, and I should have learned more from it probably in the in the long run, and maybe it wouldn't have happened again and again. But if you're an entrepreneur, is to be very very careful about both who you enter business with as a vendor partner, especially as a physical partner in the business. And last but not least, uh, understand the terms in which you are entering into an agreement with other people 100% or even 110% before you do it. To put it in fairly succinct terms, you don't always see the traps unless you step back and look because we're all very much the type of people I think as entrepreneurs, I think as a general underlying principle, we're optimists, we're people that want to see the best in things, we're people that want to get after stuff. We usually aren't a cynic and and an entrepreneur at the same time. So being careful, uh, maybe not being cynical, but certainly being careful. The experience I'm alluding to is I was part of a dot-com that was positioned to potentially sell for quite a bit of money. I own 20% of it. I thought a really good position to go forth and, and really do good things. And the way things were set up in the agreement, there were some variables I didn't fully understand that kept us from being able to sell when the person who technically only had 40% kept saying, no, I don't want to sell. And I couldn't understand why that meant we wouldn't sell. It was, turned out that he had basically bought 20% from one of the other guys without saying much to the other two of us. So he technically owned 60% of the company and was controlling that swing vote. So at 60%, we couldn't override him and sell. And he pushed too hard and the bubble burst and we lost pretty much everything. <sighs> Which again, looking back, it would have changed things if it had gone the other direction, but probably wouldn't have taught me the lessons I learned. And quite frankly, it would have been an awful big infusion for somebody that age that was honestly, I was probably not mature enough to handle the kind of bonus structure that we would have had <laughs> around right. a sale like that. So, you know, in the end, I think it was a good lesson to learn, but it really taught me to be as careful as you can come to realize that you've still got to be really careful about that. I'm fortunate I have a great business partner right now. Mm -hmm. He's phenomenal. And he is uh, part of the reason we've been able to build what we've built. Um, It's it's certainly not been all me. Um, So yeah, find, find the right people. That would be, you know, one of the lessons I learned, find the right people, know the terms. Yeah. I think that's really important too. So I've entered into collaboration with people excited about something without slowing down. And so one of the things, and, it, and it's not worked out very well, right? I haven't gotten burned, but I've just had things that haven't worked out very well and, or have been very lopsided, right? That I'm given more, right? And these are patterns that we see repeating in other places in our lives, if we're being honest with ourselves. So yeah. you know, I've definitely learned from it. But one of the things that, that I remind people of is this idea of leaning back, right? Just lean back a little bit. Like we hustle and glide. I borrowed that from somebody else. But this is the idea of like just pausing once in a while and checking in with yourself. How wow. do I actually feel about this? Most of most people who go into business for themselves uh, are highly intuitive. We do it often without a plan. Not always recommended, but sometimes that's the only way we'll ever actually do it. You know, but to be able to lean back and just pause once in a while, it's kind of like the forest for the trees analogy. If you're staring at that one thing, you miss a lot of the other stuff. And and also like, you know, have a really great lawyer who you trust and have, you know, all of those people on your bench that you can work with. But yeah, I think that's great advice. Just really be aware of what you're getting yourself into. 
It's slow, slow down to go fast. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it avoids a term that I came up with back in mid 2000s during the radio show that I called bark mark. You know, an entrepreneur and you've got your face so close to that one tree that you literally can't see the forest. You're in fact, so close to the tree, you've got the mark of the bark on your face. Um, I love that. And, <laughs> so, you know, and so I, I did a whole session on avoiding bark mark. Yeah. Uh, for any new clients at the time. And I still like to talk about it with people because it, it's a common problem. It is, especially, especially with entrepreneurs, because we can be, we can be like really excited about a whole bunch of things, but once we're committed, we are in there, man. Oh, and yeah. there's nothing that we're like, you know, like a bulldog. You just, we have to be pulled off sometimes. Right. So right. we need to be willing to, to do that with our own selves. Very, very good. If you were to give your three best pieces of advice, I know this is a question that people sort of love and then they go, oh, I didn't prepare anything. Um, but I love the intuitive. I love the intuitive answers on this. If you were today to share three best pieces of advice and it can be life advice because this is a show about mindset, right? And, and our mindset can impact every single thing. So what would your three pieces of advice be? The biggest one probably is to go at things with a cautious optimism and an eye towards abundance. Um, getting stuck in the trap of, I can't work with that person because they compete with me, or I don't understand why you would put me with this person, you know, or why you would do these things. It is a trap that I think a lot of people fall into and they miss massive opportunities for people that are also like-minded entrepreneurs and who want to make things happen and who are looking at it from the point of abundance. Just being very blunt, one of the biggest lessons I've learned is there are so many fish in the sea that you aren't really ever going to run into too many instances where you could be partnered with somebody who competes directly with you, directly, and you're barely going to step on each other's toes mm. when it comes right down to it. I don't know that I recommend partnering with somebody that's a direct competitor, but if there's some overlap, it's really not usually an issue. That would be one. Two, I think the idea that, you know, success is not a straight line, you know, point A to point B. Um, it's a, you know, it's a keep on keeping on. It's a, you know, remember that you've got a track record of, you know, hundred percent track record of making it through all the bad days and just having the perseverance and having the tenacity and the honesty with yourself to say, yeah, you know what, this was a shitty day and this was a bad time and I'm going to move past it. Or this was a really bad month or this was a terrible year, but I'm still going to get by it, whatever it happens to be. Um, but while you're at that actually finding the silver linings because that's something that I, I've gotten very good at over time. And, and then last is on a, a dot connecting level because we've already kind of covered one of the other pieces that I would have said about partners and things like that. So on the dot connecting level, is make introductions that actually are going to get acted on. There's really a couple different ways you do that. And do you mind if I jump into that, Tracy? Sure. So just really quickly, first of all, look for matches, how people can help each other. You're going to know a lot of different people that do a lot of different things. Look for matches, first of all, how they can help each other. Secondly, as Tracy sort of alluded to earlier, look for where there's personality matches. If they both find Prince to be their favorite musician ever, and you've talked to them about that enough that you know, you can use that as part of your introduction. If they both love sushi, if they both love of uh, traveling in the you know the the Middle East or traveling in Asia or they both their favorite place they've ever been was to a, a monastery um, somewhere you know that kind of thing. There's all sorts of different ways you can do that, and and when you add that personal touch, it makes a big difference. Also, ask them to get back to you on how things go, so you can help keep an eye on things. The fortunes and the follow up on everything, especially with introductions. Because we all get a boatload of mail. We all get a incredible amount of correspondence, uh, whether it's text or whether it's LinkedIn messages or whether it's email, whatever it is that come across the chasm every single day. And so if you send an introduction and you just sit back and expect it's going to get acted on, you're probably going to be very probable. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. To that end, I would also say don't make too many 
commitments to make introductions. That's one of my big faults is I see 15 of them in one meeting and I say, oh, I can introduce you to these 15 people. And it takes me six months to do it because right. <laughs> I don't want to over inundate people. And, you know, I don't ever want it to look like I don't care or I'm not going to actually follow up either. Right. Yeah. And I think that comes back to what you're saying with like being honest with yourself, right? Like we need to be, I don't like this idea of like under promise and over deliver, generally speaking, be real with yourself about what you actually can and will accomplish. So it comes back to like agreements and promises kept and, you know, but I think also people, I, I don't know, I love getting introductions. If somebody offers to introduce me to five people at once, I'm like, oh my God, I'm never gonna be able to keep up with it. Because I love to make these deep, like I'm doing this little connection, you know, heart connection with people. I don't like small talk and, you know, you can chit chat for a bit, but most of us, our time is limited. So when we, maybe you have 15 people in mind, but you choose your three or four, right? And you start well, with that and exactly, you and you look follow up the, conversations. And you look for the things that are going to help the most, mm -hmm. which is mm -hmm. another reason to maybe take those 15 people and think about them for a few days before you start saying, let me introduce you to. Mm. Um, it's something I've actually only implemented in the last month. Thankful to my therapist for that one. She gave me the clue to step back a little bit and just think about it mm -hmm. and think, okay, who's who are the two or three people that would help the most? Because A, the only amount of time I have to both make the introductions and do the follow-up, but then B, the amount of time they have, like you said, especially when you're somebody like you, Tracy, and one of the things I've loved about getting to know you is the fact that we've developed a very good friendship and a strong relationship and a good business relationship all in very short amount of time. Mm -hmm. um, because as you said, you go for the heart part of things. You go for what makes you tick brain side of things. It's not what do you think? It's why do you think it? And how, mm -hmm. how do you think it? You know, how did you get here that matters? And I love that about your approach. Mm, thank you. Yeah, I just really believe that we can support one another. We can be from completely different parts of the world and different industries and then still have a connection. And, and that connection, you never know where it's going to lead and how we can support one another. So speaking of supporting one another, how can we support you? Like, where can we find you? Well, the easiest place to find me is andygrider.com. Um, that actually links to my LinkedIn profile. So you don't have to go find me on LinkedIn. That'll take you directly there. I would say that's really the easiest place to get me because um, okay. all my contact information is there. And then my phone number is 404 516 4204. And I do try to take calls when they come in, if I can, if not, I'll get back to you if you leave a voicemail. You know, as far as it's concerned, those are really the, the two easiest ways. And the other thing is, if you ever see, if you go in and you take a look through my LinkedIn profile and you say, hey, here's somebody I'd like to know. Um, you know, I, I heard about you, you know, through Tracy and the radio show there, just feel free to reach out and ask. I'll do whatever I can um, every time. Yeah, I can say very unequivocally, unequivocally, whatever that word is, I can say very clearly with a lot of confidence that what Andy is saying right now is true. If he says he's going to do something, he will. That's one of the things I admire most about you is you get, you get stuff done. I don't know how you do it, but I admire how you do it and you always follow through. And so I really appreciate that. And I appreciate Thank you. you. I appreciate that. And I, I certainly try to, um, it's an imperfect world, but, um, <laughs> every day we're doing our best. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So thank you so much. I really appreciate your time today and oh. having me here. This is, uh, it's a pleasure, pleasure and a great conversation, even if we're not in Santa Barbara. <laughs> well, I feel like we're there. The heat's on. It feels good. We're all good. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Andy. I really appreciate you coming on. And I want to check back with you when things have cleared up to see what other big things you're up to. So awesome. if you'll have me, I'd love to have you back. Oh, 
goodness, see what happens. I'd, be, I'd be more than thrilled, Tracy. I, I really expect that 2021 is going to be for those folks who really worked hard during 2020 and built themselves something rather than sitting back and waiting. I have a feeling 2021 is going to be transformational in a lot of different ways um, from a cosmic level all the way down to a business level on a more tangible sense. But I, I think there's a lot of things that are coming and a lot of good stuff that's going to happen you know, again for the folks that have been working really, really hard to get to where they're at. I, I feel it in my bones. I can't explain it. It's an intuitive sense, but I definitely feel it. I agree wholeheartedly. Well, thank you so much. I look forward to checking back with you, uh, you know, as the new year rolls in, see, see when feels like the right time to come back and see what other magic you're making because you're up to something big. I can feel it. Fantastic. Thanks, yeah. Tracy. We really, really appreciate you having us on here. Buzz and I both will say thank you. It's just a pleasure to get to get to hang out with good folks. Thanks so much. Take care. Yep. Yeah, bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Entrepreneur Mindset Reset. If you liked what you heard, be sure to click the subscribe button so you'll never miss a show. Please leave us a review and tell your friends about us so more people can hear the valuable information we share in each episode. We look forward to hearing from you and celebrating your success. 